Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. First, we start with the story we've been covering for you. Cell phones in BC schools, should they be banned? from all BC classrooms. Look what's going on in some other provinces, notably Ontario and Quebec. They've brought in province-wide restrictions on cell phones in schools. Should British Columbia do the same thing? I got Darren Lohr standing by to discuss here. First, have a listen to this report. Global News reporter Angela Young. When Quebec elementary and secondary students return to class next week, cell phones will be banned, except for learning activities. It's the second province to implement stricter rules after Ontario. The reason why we want to do it is because we want to uh, help uh, with the concentration of kids. Okay, you heard the voice of the Quebec education minister there, why they are bringing in these cell phone restrictions in Quebec. Should we do it in BC schools as well? Let's talk about it now with my guest, Darren Lohr. Darren is the chief training officer at the whitehatter.ca. Darren's a retired police officer, and he now runs school workshops to keep kids safe online. Darren, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me back. Okay, Darren, I appreciate it a lot. Where do you stand on this issue? Cell phones in BC schools, should they be banned? Yeah, this is an interesting question because when you look at the actual legislations in both Ontario and Quebec, they're not full bans, right? Like they still allow teachers the ability to give students permission to use this type of technology for the purposes of learning. What I am in favor of is preventing the unmediated free range use of technology within a school. You know, kids sitting in class with these earbuds in their ears, not listening to teachers, distracting the classrooms, because there's lots of good evidence based peer reviewed research that shows that technology that is left to be unmediated and free range can be extremely distracting. However, if the same technology is being harnessed and used for the purposes of education within a classroom at the permission of a teacher, then that should be allowed. I also think that there needs... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, could you give me an example of that? Like how could using cell phones in class be actually a good thing for education? A really good example. I wrote an article recently of a of a high school where students were looking at issues surrounding AR, artificial, you know, uh, uh, all all the technology with respect to AR. And to get AR goggles would be quite expensive. So what the teachers did was they allowed students to use their cell phones to create this AR environment to enhance the learning within the classroom so that it was cost effective to do so. There's So there's a really good example of how a teacher used it in an extremely positive way. Okay, art, AR, artificial reality, I guess that's what that is, right? Correct. AR, yeah. Correct. Okay, um, what about, here's another one I've heard. I've heard from some parents of special needs kids who say, look, I need to be in touch with my, my kid. My kid has special needs. So please don't take his phone away. Do you think that's a legit concern? Yeah, a couple of things. I, you know, I think students who have IEPs, right, individualized yeah. educational plans, there should be exceptions to those, right? Uh, the other thing I've heard with regards to parents is in an emergency, I need to be able to contact my child. A good example, they bring up, well, if there's a school shooting, I want to, I want to be able to Ooh. connect with my child to make sure that they're safe. 
However, uh, the good research is now showing us that in the United States that that's actually the last thing that you want to be doing because an active shooter, as they're going through the school, if they're hearing phones ringing, kids talking on a phone, they know that somebody's in that room. So therefore, it's a viable target. So in fact, parents phoning kids during events like that actually place them at bigger dangers. You know, if it's that wow. much of an emergency where you need to talk to your child, schools still have the office and the cell and phones in the office where you can make those calls at that point in time. But in exigent circumstances, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly understand that. Speaking to Darren Lore about cell phones in schools, should they be banned in British Columbia? Let's have a listen to Kevin Falcon here, leader of the opposition. He's the leader of the BC United Party. He was on the show with me here yesterday, Darren, and we talked about this issue. He's been calling for a cell phone ban for about a year here now. Have a listen. We called uh, almost a year ago now for a banning of cell phones in schools. Um, the reason we did that is because what the reports all show, and the, it basically shows that kids learn less and perform worse as a result of cell phones. The distractions are enormous. Okay, is that true? Does the science show that these cell phones are bad for kids' kids' learning yeah. outcomes? What's really interesting is there's a number of studies. One just recently came out of Switzerland where they had these bans in place for uh, at least a year, if not longer, and found that, in fact, it had no effect whatsoever. In fact, what they found in their research was that it affected the classroom learning environment in a negative way. So they're revisiting that. And there's several other research studies that support that as well. Again, the use of technology is not meant to be a replacement for good teachers. It's there to enhance the teaching environment. That's the purpose. And as long as it's being used for that reason, then I'm in favor of it. Again, what I'm not in favor of is leaving it as an unmediated free range use of technology within. within what is, the what does that mean right? when you say that, like an unmediated free range use? What does that mean? What that means is that where students will use these things whenever they want in their class for whatever reason, check their yeah. Snapchats, you know, to talk right. to friends, you know, to listen to music, doing stuff like that. That's what I, I would classify as unmediated free range movement, because that is extremely distracting. And there's and good you, research to support that. And are you hearing like you do a lot of school presentations, you talk to yeah. teachers all the time. What are, what are teachers telling you about this this topic? Do they say the kids are distracted from cell phones? Yeah, it depends upon the school and what they have in place. Like we find, and we've presented over a thousand schools now across Canada and the United States. And we find that schools that have got a good guidelines in place with respect to this type of issue, they're not having the issues. Where they're having the issues are where schools that don't have something like that. So a really good example here in Victoria, Belmont High School has a great mediated guideline. And, you know, I just spoke to the principal the other day. And since they instituted at the beginning of the school year, they have found it has had great effects within their school. So again, that's what it comes down to. And, and what are the rules in that school? How does it work? Well, the whole purpose of the the reason they designed that policy at Belmont, there was four, there were basically five goals. They wanted to provide a uniform language for teachers to use in their classrooms as students do better when guidelines were communicated in a consistent manner. And then they said, hey, listen, we wanted to provide a framework that is realistic in terms of what we can enforce and provide agency to students and recognize that technology can continue to evolve. And then they said, hey, listen, we want to recognize that cell phones are a tool that can be used as a positive as well as negative ways. And that recognizing that students of this age at the high school level need to learn how to use their technology in ways that reflect and prepare them for the adult settings once they graduate from high school. And the last thing they, they wanted was to work in partnership with students and parents and guardians to address etiquette, particularly in asking them to contact one another outside yeah. of class. You know, one of the things I've heard from teachers consistently is one of the biggest offenders of distraction are parents and guardians who are texting and calling their kids in the middle of a class. 
<laughs> Some of the parents are addicted to their phones, too. That, that's right, for it, sure. I mean, we all are. Yeah. Let's face it here. Come on. You know, let's get yeah. real. I, I mean, mean I, we're all attached to these things now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's a part of who we are. And, you know, yeah. what better? One of the things I find is that adults, they, a lot of adults, still see a difference between the online and the offline world. Uh, they see it as two separate entities. But to teens today in schools and students, it's just one world or what in academia they call the on-life world. So these phones are ubiquitous in nature. So what better place to teach kids how to use them in a mediated and responsible way than in a classroom? Yeah. Hey, what about one that? Of the things that, that, I, that hey, yeah. hey, Darren, just last week for you, just yeah. in the interest of time here, that study yeah. you mentioned, there was another, there was a country where they actually brought in a ban and then decided to reverse it. What were the, some of the negative outcomes they saw from the ban? Why did they do that? Yeah, there were a variety of different things that they found was primarily the ban didn't work. Like students were actually still using their phones. There was no enforcement whatsoever. But from a pedagogical standpoint, it really affected the ability for teachers to bring in new technology to enhance learning within the classrooms, which broke down the teacher-student relationship, which, again, is really important mm. when it comes to learning. Again, I okay. think that we should be leaving it to the school districts and schools to make a decision rather than the province, right? Because what may be good in Vancouver may not be good in Nelson or Victoria. So teachers know mm. best. So why not allow the schools and teachers to design uh policy that meets their needs darren it's great to talk to you today thank you for coming on you're so very welcome talk about public drug use now now remember that drug possession has been decriminalized in british columbia we are the only province in canada that has done this 2.5 grams that is the legal possession limit in BC for heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, crack cocaine, ecstasy. These drugs, you're allowed to possess these drugs in that quantity. Now, ever since that came in, we've had that about a year. And very early on, there were complaints primarily from municipalities saying, look, look, we're seeing more public mayhem and problems here since this came in. So there were calls for restrictions on where people can use these drugs. So the province brought in restrictions. It included with no closer than 15 meters to a sports field or beach, a skate park, a kiddie pool. You couldn't use drugs within six meters of a public doorway. So that's where the restrictions were. These restrictions now paused by the B.C. Supreme Court. In the recent ruling here, the B.C. Supreme Court Chief Justice Christopher Hinkson ordered the restrictions paused until March 31st. He issued an injunction. He said that these restrictions could cause death of drug users who may be forced to use drugs alone and overdose alone. The province studying that ruling still. Let's discuss it with my guest now, Ken Popov. Ken is the mayor of Chilliwack. I'm very pleased to welcome him. Ken, thank you for coming on. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, thank you for being on here. Can, can you tell me, have there been problems in Chilliwack, let's say, since the since decrim came in? So d since decriminalization of drug possession kicked in about a year ago, have you seen more more problems with public drug use in, in Chilliwack? Well, absolutely. It's it's mm. it's out there more. Um, my my community has 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 spoken out loudly and, and uh, it's it's something that's just unacceptable um, in that ruling. The group that uh, pushed for the injunction and this is something that that 
kind of tweaked my interest was it's going to cause irreparable harm. Uh, right. Hang on. Wait a minute here. So kids can go to parks and and dodge discarded needles, d- discarded pipes. No, that's it's it's just not right. Here in here in Chilliwack, we've got a a a uh, you know like an OPS that's that that's uh, funded through Fraser Health. It's monitored. It's uh, it, it's a safe place to to do their ingestion, their smoking, whatever form they're they're uh, you know taking the drug. So we've got you know strategy in place, and this just is a head scratcher for me. Yeah, an OPS is what overdose prevention site, correct? Site. That is correct. Yeah, that yeah. Correct. Okay, so yes. you've got a, a supervised in, a supervised consumption site there in Chilliwack. The the judge here, this chief judge of the Supreme Court, saying not all communities have uh, supervised drug use sites. So therefore, this public drug ban, public drug use ban, is is a problem because people, if people are using drugs alone, they're more likely to die from an overdose. Do you are you buying that argument? Like, what do you think of that? Hmm. Uh, well, it's been there's there's data that over eighty percent, if not more, of of the drug overdoses are indoors, and yeah. uh, um, no, I'm not buying that logic. Uh, you know, for me, parks are for kids. Parks are for families. This is not the venue to allow this to happen in in any community. You know, little. Uh, young ladies on the swing and she sees somebody over on the side they're either smoking or sticking a needle in their arm and they're hey dad what's going on okay or going on over there well he's just doing drugs there little sally well no it's just no it's just not right yeah speaking of ken popov ken is the mayor of chilliwack let me play a clip here for you ken get your thoughts garth mullins here he's an advocate for drug users he's been a guest here on the show uh, he's unhappy. With, he was very critical of the restrictions on public drug use. And here's here's his rationale on that. Then I'll get your thoughts. Garth Mullins. Hey, there's no evidence of increased public drug use because of decrim or since decrim started. It's been uh, something that's happened for a long while. Uh, people uh, like myself, you know, I've used it in public in the past in the hopes that if I overdosed and fell down, somebody would call an ambulance for me. Yeah, so he says there's no evidence of increased public drug use since drugs were decriminalized. Do you disagree with that, right? You're seeing are you seeing more public drug use in the last year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the RCMP haven't got any tools to combat that. You know, like at least with this legislation that the province was 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 putting forward would would give the RCMP some tools. First off, education. Like, sir, you can't be doing that here. We have a site where you can go to. It's we call it the wellness center. It, it, it provides that opportunity in a safe uh, environment. And then it, 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 the wellness center provides uh, wound care, social issues, like getting your social insurance number, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got a system here that has over a hundred contacts a day of folks coming in and, and, and utilizing it. So um, no, I don't buy his, um, what he's saying. What? What are you when you speak to police officers in Chilliwack? What are they telling you about this? What are their concerns specifically? Well, it's just with the decrim of 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 that two point five milligrams. You know that amount of fentanyl will will kill a herd of elephants, and that's 
okay to be packing that. It just, you know, like that whole system itself, that whole strategy itself, I think, is is not going to destigmatize drug users' uh, ability to to use drugs. It's it's yeah. it's just not. And and for me, it's about keeping my community safe. Again, I, I you know, almost like a broken record, but parks are for kids, parks are for families, and this irreparable harm. I. I'm, you know, trying to wrap my head around that statement. It just does not make any sense to me. What do you think the province should do about it here? I mean, they, they could, I guess they could appeal this. This is, this is going to be subject of more legal wrangling. What are your thoughts on what the province should do? Well, that's, that's up to the province. It's not the province's yeah. issue, it's Supreme Court. And, um, and if this isn't resolved by the end of March, which um, I'm, I'm pretty confident it, it will be with the backlash that that is coming his way. You know, I would I would invite the judge to come out the trello. I can spend an afternoon with me in the park and just um, mm. see what we're experiencing. You know, and um, like I said before, that irreparable harm and like, like okay, so kids and families are less important than than these folks. You know, we all gotta balance community out and 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 for me i feel this is going in the wrong direction do you so think I'm, that I'm, do you think that one of the other arguments against these type of restrictions is that the war the war on drugs didn't work this is a health this is a health crisis it is not a criminality crisis and we shouldn't be criminalizing people who are using drugs but when you take a look at the, the history, the recent history of drug enforcement in BC, I, I think I don't think a lot of people were being arrested for drug drug no. possession. I mean, the Vancouver Police Department was saying, "Look, we stopped or we stopped charging people or arresting people yeah. just for simple possession of drugs." Now they were yeah. taking away their drugs, though. Yeah, yeah. So, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Do you think police, you know, people police should not be charging people with drug use or taking away their drugs, but there should not be there should be restrictions on where you can use drugs in public? Correct. Well, that's that's kind of a slippery slope for me to comment on. Um, you know, I support my RCMP wholeheartedly, and 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 any tools that they can get in their toolbox to help to keep our community safe is a good tool. So this, I believe, would be a a a great tool to keep our community safe. So they they be in the RCMP. I'll let them you know speak into that. But uh, you know, it's added you know like another layer of 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 work that that they could do or couldn't do so it's a it's kind of a catch-22 so um i don't what know what are the what it's, are your uh, what are your said last question for you mayor mayor Popov. what are your, what are the yeah. people of chilliwack telling you when when the citizens your constituents come up to you in, in chilliwack what do they say to you about this court ruling thank you for advocating for chilliwack thank you for trying to keep our community safe and 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 keep going keep your foot on the pedal and i will do that Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the Fort Langley dads on patrol to fight crime in their neighborhood. Now, these are the guys who were fed up. There had been a series of break-ins and robberies in the neighborhood. A group of local dads decided... Enough was enough, and they were going to do something about it. They organized a dad's patrol. They actually called it the dad's stroll. They're going to take a stroll around the neighborhood, just t keep an eye on things. Had uh, 27 dads in this group. They, they just walked around the hood, 
checking things out, making sure everything's okay. And they, they say it worked. Three of the dads actually spotted someone prowling around in a, a closed flower shop. So local business, it was closed late at night. Someone in there snooping around. Police were called and a man was arrested and charged with break-in and theft. So they say that it worked. Now, this group, though, has come in for some criticism. Some local, local, local critics saying that this is vigilantism. This should not be happening. This is risky. I've heard this as well, that if you do try to intervene, take the law into your own hands, you don't know what someone is going to do. Let's discuss it now with my guest, Eric Woodward, the mayor of Langley Township, and I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Eric, thank you for coming on. We got him okay? Maybe he's on mute. Eric, can you hear me? Can you hear me all right now? Okay, now oh, now I can hear yeah. you. Thank goodness. Okay. okay thanks Th- for having me on. Yeah, a bit of a technical difficulty this morning, but great that we uh, figured it out. That's okay. You're loud and clear here now, so that's great. great. Tell me your thanks. tell me your thoughts on this because this is this is really interesting. Like it seems to me that these guys, I mean, they're getting some criticism, but it seems to me they didn't break any laws. They didn't do anything wrong. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's right to be concerned if there's a you know a group out there that's sort of wandering the community at night. But that's not the case here. This was a group of concerned citizens that had a you know one individual allegedly creating a, a chronic level of uh, petty crime within the community, and uh, you know I think a significant level of frustration uh, pick, uh, you know, kicked in. But if you look into the facts, uh, they ma- they maintained a safe distance. Uh, they saw the individual uh, you know red-handed theoretically, uh, elegant, allegedly, and yeah. immediately called the police and did not approach the individual, did not touch the individual, uh, did not do any of those things uh, from the evidence that I've seen. Yeah, in our country, you're, uh, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. So I, I, it's important to, to stress that. The, I'm just taking a look at some of the media coverage on this story. They say a suspect arrest, arrested here had a, a history, a criminal history, a lot of minor offenses, and... You know, in this particular neighborhood, Eric, what you mentioned some of the problems. Like, how many, how many break-ins were happening there? Was this was this happening? A lot of people experience a break-in there. Yeah, well, theoretically, this uh, this group of uh, local citizens within that Fort Langley area, you know, had identified the, an individual on on many people's um, you know cameras on their porches and in their yards and in their properties. So the same individual again and again, and was reported to police uh, multiple times. And this person was, of course, released again and again uh, back into the community. So I think that uh, some were just uh, looking to locate this individual again and and uh, report them to police if they were able to to see and witness criminal activity, which apparently they were. So you support them then? You, you don't think they've done anything wrong? You think they did the right thing? Correct? Well, from what I've seen, and I, I know a couple of them personally, I, I think they're good people. I, I, I'm not concerned that this is sort of... The way the the article painted them is, you know, a group of men in camouflage clothing with their dogs in tow. I think that's kind of really unfortunate to paint it that way, uh, when you have a, a group of co- us concerned citizens sort of taking action where maybe others aren't taking enough action, and uh, not not again not approaching the individual, not touching the individual, not doing anything other than calling police. 
Yeah, referring to the article here appeared in the National Post this week that d- described, yeah, some of the guys wearing camouflage or going out late at night. Some of them had their dogs with them. And yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit of a, you know, a sinister description there. But it, I don't think, like in my read of it here, these guys were just walking around the neighborhood, taking a look at, like, you're allowed to walk around the neighborhood. You're allowed to look in the front window of a, of a flower shop that's been shut, that is closed for the night, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like they broke and, any laws. Yeah. And I think it was a couple that, you know, had a, a couple of them that were going to willing to go out and do that, do a bit of a stroll in the evening around their community. And, and I think it showed the desperation of, of some when, you know, a, a larger number of volunteer to show up and, and join that. And, uh, you know, I think it speaks for itself that they, um, you know, have evidence that I've seen and, and witnessed and called the police with the person, you know, allegedly, again, in the, in the you know, red-handed, yeah. in the act. So I think it shows yeah. the, the level of desperation that brought them to this point. But I think some of the criticism is, is reasonable to hear and reasonable to acknowledge that in some cases this could get out of hand, but I don't think that's the case sure. here. Speaking to Langley Township Mayor Eric Woodward, talking about the Langley dads out on patrol after a series of break-ins in their neighborhood. I wonder why they felt that they had to, to do this. Do you think maybe they, they have lost some faith in the justice system? we got a revolving door justice system that's taken a lot of criticism. Let me play a clip here for you, Mayor Woodward, for your thoughts. Liberal MLA, uh, now BC United MLA, Eleanor Sturko. She's a former police officer herself. This is not the first time we've seen some of these citizen anti-crime groups spring up in communities around BC. We've talked about this before on the show. Why is it happening? Here's her thoughts. Let's listen. The number of sort of vigilante groups that have popped up on Facebook, community groups advocating to take the law into their own hands, are a direct result of people losing their faith in our justice system. Do you think that's true? Do you think people have lost faith in the justice system? I think in this case, you're, you're going to see where, you know, if, if people witness and, and have a collection of, of evidence of the same individual identified in video, you know, committing crime with, uh, again, allegedly committing crime within the neighborhood again and again and over a long period of time, reporting it to police again and again, and the individual simply returns. I think it's natural to be frustrated by that and, and look for answers of why there isn't a solution uh, to something like this. And it's obvious to point at the court system and the and the federal government of why is this allowed to continue again and again? Yeah. Do you think what do you think needs to be done in that regard? I mean, we have had promises of bail reform, but, you know, it doesn't seem for a lot of people doesn't think that doesn't go far enough. But your thoughts? Well, I think for this particular individual, it was it was important to note that there was a significant outpouring from the same group of uh, Fort Langley dads. They refer to themselves actually wanting to help this individual find out, is there yeah. is there a source? Is there a cause? Is there a way to help this person, you know, live a live a more productive life and not 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 be arrested again and again? And I think that that's the sort of message that was lost in the article is there's a desire to also help. Uh, help people and help our neighborhoods. It's not simply about, you know, punishment. I think it really is uh, uh, coming from a good place and a, a sense of frustration that the levels of government that have the ability to address this aren't doing enough. Yeah. What do you think? We talked earlier on the show today about decriminalization of drug possession in British Columbia. We're the only province that's done that. We talked about the public drug use restrictions that were brought in by the province and then suspended uh, by an injunction by the BC Supreme Court. Do you have any concerns on that? I mean, have you are you concerned about any public drug use that's going on in Langley Township? 
Well, we're um, along with Mayor West and a few others. Um, you know, when watching, we're one of the other municipalities that did bring in a bylaw to prohibit um, public drug use in our parks and public spaces uh, prior to the new legislation. And, and we did that to give law enforcement and bylaw enforcement a tool to coordinate with the RCMP again with our bylaw officers to. To, tr to identify people and have a reason to work with them and talk to them and get to know them why they're in this situation and bring some resources to bear. And one of the ways to do that is to have some law enforcement mechanisms, again, not to you know openly harass people in this situation, but to have a way to locate them and have a basis for a conversation. And it is quite frustrating to, to maybe see the the court system and some other levels of government, you know, not responding to what I think is clear the majority of the population is looking for them to do. Are those are those bylaws still in place and still in effect in Fort Langley after this uh, court decision? Yes, they are. Those bylaws still exist. The, the court case was specific to the legislation. Uh, we have a bylaw which uh, can be brought to bear until a court uh, rules otherwise. Thank you for coming on today with your thoughts on hey, this. I appreciate thank it. You. Yeah, thank hey. you very much. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop. Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.